This episode of Uncommon Deeds contains material that some may find sensitive or disturbing. If you or someone you know is struggling with addiction to drugs or alcohol, there is help. Call Vermont Help Link at 802-565-LINK. That's 802-565-5465. If you have thoughts of suicide and need help, Dial the three-digit National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 988. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. I got all my work done, which I thought I did. And I said, I got to go. Because if you leave, you're going to lose your job, which I did. I was so passionate about racing back then. I approach the corner, I'm going to go down and get into third to go around the corner. <laughs> and then said, oh, oh shit! <laughs> and flew off the track <laughs> over sandbag. And I thought, fuck, we're home. Hi, is this Justin? He says, yeah. He says, I heard you're having a race. I live down in North Carolina, and I didn't know if you needed a pace car driver because I'm headed up north, and I get a 2003 Monte Carlo, and do you need a pace car driver? I said, I think I'm all set, and I hung up the phone, and I'm like, we're fine. A wise man once said, the true history of the world is a history of great conversations in elegant rooms. Who said this? Me. Just now. Welcome, everybody, to the Uncommon Deeds Podcast. Tom Corbett, Justin St. Louis. I'm never ready for the Opens now. So You have a much sharper memory than I do, and I forget all of the interviews that we do. Like, I couldn't, like, I couldn't even place the first one. I know now it was Brad Layton, right? But yeah. I didn't know what the hell was going on for a second there. Yeah. Part of the reason I wanted to do the Opens this way is, you know, give it a new sound when we came back. But also maybe trigger something to get people to go back and and listen. But I feel like I should probably put in which episodes they are. Nah, on something. No, I I like it. No, let them guess. Ken cursing you will hear on this podcast in perpetuity <laughs> for as long as we're here. We couldn't get him to say the in, the uncommon deeds bit, but. He said motherfucker a couple of times, so that was good enough. To be fair, we didn't ask him to. No, no. You read it. If you go back and you listen, Justin reads the quote at the beginning of the podcast, and like less than like 30 seconds later, you could see in your face, like, why the fuck did I read that? Yeah. Well, because he already said it once. He doesn't have to say it again. Oh. How you doing, buddy? buddy? (laughs) I I am really good. Like... We just got off the the Zoom call with with our guest today, Justin Prescott, and I'm I'm. This is a good one. This is like 
I really love this project that we're doing um, for a lot of reasons. And you're going to spend the next hour or so listening to one of the biggest reasons. Like, man, I, I don't know if we're providing therapy for people. It's providing therapy for me, though. Um, this is uh, this is amazing, the show. Yeah, this was one of the big goals was telling different stories. We keep saying it and we sound like a broken record and maybe we are, but just talking to people every week about this race they won or that race they won or this championship they got is freaking boring. Yeah. I mean, but don't get me wrong, you know, People's success that we talk to are fascinating, and there's fascinating stories involved with those successes. But there's fascinating stories from people that don't have those accolades that deserve to have those stories told. And, and it's them telling their story, too. It's not us. I mean, it's it's our platform, but um, we're just kind of providing the vehicle, and they're the ones driving. And, and that's the way that it should be you know, these aren't our stories to tell. We're, we're listening. Just we are like the, you are. We are the thrifty car rental of podcast platforms. We're the Avis of <laughs> the Avis of racing podcasts. <laughs> just providing the platform. I don't know. I'm just, I'm so grateful to, to the people that open up. Yeah. Um, and I mean, things happen for a reason. We're recording this once again on a Sunday. Another turn and burn coming. At least we're getting kind of the opens done on Sunday, which we've been doing on Monday nights. So it's a little less burning on the turn. But like I said, it happens for a reason. We had something scheduled earlier in the week and got canceled once and pushed forward, then got ghosted on the second one. And on a side note, we talked about a segment, you know, get off my lawn segment. <laughs> yeah. I get it. And we talk about it. We are surprised every time that, you know, we get a guest and we're grateful that people are giving us their time. But our time isn't worthless. And stuff happens. Stuff comes up. I have totally. three children. You don't need sure. to tell me that stuff comes up. I get it. But send us a fucking message, man. Like, be a little I'm, I'm bit. I'm laughing, but yeah, I'm with you. Be a little bit professional. And this was someone who should be fairly versed in trying to be professional. Like, we're sending message, no response, no response. And if not, still never got another message. Oh, no, it's been four days. Four days, never responded to any messages. This I didn't mean to go that lawn, hard to you by Bushy's generator sales and service. I didn't mean to go that hard on the cursing. <laughs> it's been a big, heavy cursing week for Tom. <laughs> Tom messaged me at six forty-five this morning, yep. and and let me know that he had already been in a verbal jousting match at work. And by the way, it's six forty-five on a Sunday, and he's already been through it. Like yeah. six forty-five is when he's messaging me about it, so it's already happened. Uh huh. <laughs> on a and, Sunday, <laughs> and it's weird. And I talked to Allie about. 
I am not that person. I'm not a confrontational person. I'm really not a, a big cursor, especially in a negative sense. I curse all the time on the podcast or whatever, but it's all in jest and fun, and I'm usually not a negative one, but yeah, just I had had enough this morning dealing with stupid people. Oh, man. Well, stupid person. And I let him know. That really he was, stupid. He like, stupid. I mean, it's I, like, I get it. Um, I'm yeah, I could tell, any, I could tell anybody side, but... who is not a golf person what transpired this morning, and it'll make sense. But, yeah. Ah. Anyway. It's the start of a new week, man. I know. But I feel like, and this, ha- and I said, very rarely do I get to the point that I was at this morning. So it's a big emotional dump, though. I feel great afterwards, yeah. which lets me know there's probably a lot more stuff involved that was in there <laughs> that came out at that one particular moment. But yeah, it was a nice adrenaline dump, and I was shaking a little bit after just because yeah. I was getting pretty close to slapping someone. Yeah, but you get like that bounce in your step. You get shit done. Yeah. Like, I know exactly what you're talking about. Feels good sometimes. It does. Let's get happy here, Tom. Let's get like happy. I'm <laughs> happy. Is, I know. <laughs> you know what makes me happy? Good looking flooring. As well it should. Yeah. It does. It does. I've got hardwood floors in the house here. Two of the rooms look amazing. It, the dining room looks like absolute garbage. So where we should have, I go, Tom? Yeah, we have fake wood floors, and they look atrocious. Mm. And we should both go to Barry Tile. Mm-hmm. I go on their Facebook page all the time to fantasize about how good my floor would look. Yep. Yeah. And Tile is in the name, but that's not what they do. It's not all that they do. Um, they do, like I said, hardwood floor. They'll do, if you want new linoleum, they'll make that happen. That's fine. They can make it look good. Um, obviously, tile, carpeting, all of it. Countertops. Um, countertops. The granite countertops. Uh, backsplash. They can build They can build a shower for you in your bathroom. Um, just awesome stuff. Um, they can do outdoor stuff as well. And um, there's a there's a picture on their Facebook of it's like this huge landing concrete landing outside of a, of a work building somewhere. I'm not sure where, but um, you know, it's, they're doing big things down at Barry tile, Morrison Clark and check them out. 50 years in the business. Um, stop into their showroom and give it a, give it a whirl. You're going to, you're going to be impressed. Also, Justin, I don't know about you, but I was told at a young age, nothing good happens after dark. You're only going to get in trouble. You know where that's not the case? After Dark Custom Designs. Yeah, that's right. Good things happen at After Dark Custom Designs. Yeah. Um, Hunter's going to make you look good, racers. Uh, hats, shirts. Um, they'll do screen print. They'll do direct the garment. They'll do the heat transfers, whatever you got. Your logo is going to look good on anything hunter garduno makes at after dark custom design so uh give him a shout out his his stuff is all over facebook as well 
Yeah, uh, After Dark Custom Designs yeah, on the cool Facebook. Logo too. Yeah. You can email afterdarkcustomdesigns at gmail.com. Oh. I think he's still taking orders for September, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Now that the nuptials have been signed and all that stuff and the, the wedding's out of the way, he's ready to get back to work. So place your orders now and, and you'll be ready before the end of the season. Uh, Bushies, generator sales generator and service. <laughs> you can still get $500 off through the milk bowl on a standalone generator. All you got to do, get in touch with them, tell them you heard about it right here on the Uncommon Deeds podcast. Ben keeps racing too. He's He keeps doing stuff at Thunder Road. Uh, did he race last week? He might have. And he did a top 10 in the Enduro. He does he does good things behind the wheel, but he does good things uh, for your home as well. Ben Bushy is the guy. He's built this thing from the ground up, and he's the number one Briggs & Stratton home standby generator dealer in the state of Vermont. And he doesn't service just Vermont either. Um, you know, New Hampshire, New England, New York, give him a call. And as much as you don't want to hear it, Winter's coming, and you don't want to be stuck with no no power, no heat, in a snowstorm. Mm -mm. And that's a terrible thought, but take advantage of that $500 off uh, and get yourself ready for winter with a a generator. I mean, it's, you know, we live in a stupid climate, and it's going to, you're going to need it eventually because the power is going to go out for three days like it always does. All right. Coming up, we have story time with Justin St. Louis. That's me. And then we will roll today's interview with Justin Prescott. And I really hope you guys enjoy it. We did. And there's a lot to his story. So, you know, pay attention and enjoy. For most of its lifespan, one of the most coveted spectator areas at the Thunder Road International Speed Bowl in Barrie, Vermont, was in turn three. In a lawn chair or on a blanket perched halfway up a small hillside that had seen the effects of erosion speed up with the abuse from years of foot traffic, fans would peer between massive tree limbs to gain a unique view of the entire bowl-shaped racetrack, to see the iconic green and yellow striped Widowmaker wall stretched end-to-end, and to feel the rush of cars coming almost straight at them before diving left into the corner. That seating area was known until its deconstruction and complete redesign in 2019 as Forsyth Hill. A simple granite monument still stands at the foot of what used to be the 50-foot-tall mound of earth and trees, and the inscription remains, as it has since its dedication a half-century ago, misspelled. It's time to pay homage to a legendary racer, Roy Pappy Forsyth. Spelled F-O-R-S-Y-T-H, Without the E at the end, Roy Forsyth came north to Thunder Road from southern New Hampshire in 1961, and he obliterated the competition. His records have stood the test of time, and his status as one of the all-time greats was well-earned. So, who was Roy Forsyth, and why did everyone call him Pappy? 
Born on November 10th, 1912 to John Forsyth and Emma Barkham, Roy Maurice D. Forsyth was raised in Swansea, New Hampshire, near the busy town of Keene. He served his country in World War II as a sergeant in the United States Air Force, and like so many who returned from the European theater after the fall of Adolf Hitler, Roy Forsyth didn't want to just sit home and watch the grass grow. Jalopy stock car racing exploded as an inexpensive hobby throughout the country in the late 1940s and early 50s, and the Connecticut River Valley was no exception. Roy Forsyth found racing, and he had more than enough tracks to choose from locally, as they popped up in New Hampshire at Claremont, Hinsdale, and the Cheshire County Fairgrounds in Keene, in Vermont at West Brattleboro, and in Massachusetts at the Rhythm Inn Speedway in Millers Falls. There were plenty of others available, too, if he didn't mind making the drive. Usually driving a Ford Coupe painted with navy blue sides and a white top with a number 80 on the doors, Forsyth won early, and he won often. He took the New England Dirt Track Championship race at Claremont in 1950, and in 1951, he won five times at the rustic West Brattleboro track. He also took down the first race ever held at the Pico Raceway in Rutland, Vermont. It was in 1952 that Forsyth first teamed up with car owner George Barber, and their success began almost instantly. Barber, from Bradford, Vermont, needed a driver for his potent number 46 flathead Ford Coupe. Lawrence Stubb Piper was the hottest driver in the Twin State region in 1950 and 51, winning the 1951 Vermont State Championship race in Barber's Bradford Auto Supply Coupe. But when Stubb Piper got married at the end of the 51 season, he kept his promise to his new bride that he would quit racing. Barber found Forsyth, and off they took like a rocket. As he approached the age of 40, Roy Forsyth was often billed in newspapers as the oldest driver in competition, but that certainly didn't slow him down any. That cream and red-colored number 46 won a pile of races, including the midseason championship at Claremont, and Forsyth got Barber his second straight Vermont State Championship win at Colchester Bayview. In 53, they dominated at West Brattleboro and scored a major upset at Connecticut's Stafford Speedway by invading and stealing the New England Modified Stock Car Championship victory. Forsyth kept his own equipment going through the 1950s while hopping in and out of rides, including Barber's 46 and Ernie Gahan's potent 111. He won the championship at Rhythm Inn Speedway in 1955 and was found in victory lanes around the region for the rest of the decade. In 1961, at 48 years old and now tagged with the nickname Pappy by his much younger competitors, Forsyth found himself back in the seat with George Barber's number 46, and off they took to Barry, Vermont and the one-year-old show place known as Thunder Road. Folks, it wasn't even close. Their first win came in the season's second event, the Memorial Day Classic, and it was all over but the crying after that. Two weeks later, they were back in victory lane on June 15th, and that's when the fun really began. Forsyth crossed the finish line first, but the flathead Ford mill was torn down in inspection and declared overbalanced by the officials, whatever that means. Pappy was disqualified, but he and George appealed the ruling. The decision was reversed 10 days later, and the reinstated win officially counted as the first of what proved to be five consecutive victories and a run of seven out of eight wins. Pappy and George copped a grand total of 10 feature victories in 18 starts, four of them being triple crowns when Forsyth swept the heat, the semi, and the main event. Forsyth was crowned king of the road in a runaway, leaving top drivers like Tony Coliccio, Ronnie Marvin, Rex Shattuck, Norm Shalou, and Larry Granger in the dust. The mark of 10 feature wins in the Premier Division still stands as a single-season record at Thunder Road, and only Ken Chrisman can lay even a technical claim on beating that mark when he was the top-finishing Junkyard Warrior driver 12 times in 2010 during the era of combined features with the Street Stocks and the Warriors. George Barber fielded a second car in 1962 with Lee Ingerson piloting a number 47 Ford prepared identically to Forsyth's 46. The Magic wasn't quite there with Pappy in 62, but he managed to win on the 4th of July at Thunder Road and twice at the Northeastern Speedway near St. Johnsbury. Lee Ingerson, meanwhile, won twice at each track and copped both track championships as well as the overall title for the United Racing Club. 
Roy Forsythe faded away from the scene entirely in 1963, while George Barber and Lee Anderson again swept the track championships at Thunder Road and Northeastern to go along with a whopping total of 14 feature wins. The racing world never really saw much of Roy Forsythe after that, and except for some speeding tickets and one violent highway crash in 1969 that left him ejected from his vehicle and badly injured, Pappy sort of slipped into obscurity. He passed away in Florida in July 1988 at the age of 75, and he is interred at the Mountain View Cemetery in his hometown of West Swansea, New Hampshire. He was posthumously inducted into the New England Auto Racing Hall of Fame in 2014. Race fans might hear the name Roy Pappy Forsythe these days, or see his name misspelled, and wonder what the fuss was all about. Well, that's it. Roy Forsythe was a war hero, a champion racer, and remains a legendary figure of the sport. Pappy was as good as they got. If you're interested in sponsoring Storytime with Justin St. Louis, feel free to send us an email, uncommonmediavt at gmail.com. Now, without further ado, it's time for Justin to make today's introduction. Our guest this week is not a legend. He's not a big winner. He's not Dave Dion or Robbie Crouch or Vince Quinville or any of those names but he might be someday and we're excited to talk to him. He's one of our favorite guys in the pit area. Um, his story is so much more than racing and by God, he might be a champion by the end of the, of this year. So um, we're going to get this in while we can. And uh, it's a, a pleasure to welcome to uncommon deeds, Justin Prescott, man. Uh, great to have you. Thanks for having me. Uh, dude, I've been thinking it all day long. So <laughs> you look at the rundown of everybody they've had and then it's like me. It's like, okay. If it makes you feel better, we thought the same thing when Justin and I were the guests. Yes, that's that's true. (laughs) And it's worth noting, it's worth noting for our listeners that you are in the same office, in the same chair, at the same desk as the infamous Brian Hoare show. Um, (laughs) I don't think this one will go three and a half hours like the last one, but maybe. I, I don't think I can live up to that the expectations on that one i hope you can't (laughs) (laughs) i gotta work in the morning so (laughs) well first of all a whirlwind season for you bud and it started off just in the best way possible justin and i were there and for some reason you were the happiest person well, we know why you were the happiest person, but you like you brought us in for like the biggest bear hugs when you saw us after you won. Yeah, man. Uh, obviously, last year it was no secret. I mean, we were just uh, we were struggling, and uh, you know, worked my ass off all fucking winter long. Uh, me and the crew, and just totally rebuilt that car. So uh, to have that, you know pay off so fast so quick it was i couldn't i was the emotions were (laughs) out of this world i i couldn't even uh couldn't even fathomed it you know we had goals to to try to just be competitive um not to be a 15th place car you know um so to come out and win like that wow i was uh yeah i was overwhelmed for sure well Let's get it right into it the way we always do. And that's asking you when you remember motorsports coming into your life. So I don't really, uh, I don't really remember a time when motorsports wasn't in my life, I guess is the best way to answer that. Um, 
I, I was trying to think because obviously I listened to a bunch of these shows and uh, and knew the question was coming. And the best one I could come up for, I don't even remember the circumstances or who it was. Um, I know it was something to do with Crouch, but it was on Williston Road in the Renarec shop is like one of the first times I remember race cars coming into my life. Um, my grandfather, Talbert Hill, was a, was a crew member for uh, a bunch of different guys over the years. Um, you know, Norm Andrews and Gary Cunningham. But I, I remember going there and that that's probably the first time I can actually remember like, oh, race car. Um, but like I said, there's, uh, you know, it's always been in my life. It was it's just a big part of my family. It always has been. So, dude, look at my, I, they can't see, maybe you can snapshot it. My mom just brought these in. That's me in the norms, Norm Andrews, the pink, uh, pink hat, pink stripe, blue jacket. I don't know how old I am, but I don't remember that. So. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. You got the collar pop and everything. Absolutely. I yeah, feel like you good. could bring that look back today. I think it's coming back. It's it's definitely on its way back for sure. Get the old bomber jacket. <laughs> yeah. It'll still work. Yeah. So uh, you mentioned Talbert Hill, who's been on pit road forever. Tell us a little bit yep. about him. Gramps. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, it, he growing up, he was uh, everything. He lived, breathed racing. And, uh, as far as I can remember, you know, in his backyard, uh, you know, with Stacy, Stacy Hill, who was, you know, on Arnie's, Arnie's teams for a year, Arnie Hill is his brother, obviously owns uh, the old four late model. Um, but building enduro cars in the backyard and, uh, you know, it, it was just always, uh, always a normal thing. Um, I, I think I got a go-kart right around that age too. And I, I would, you know, run around the field on the go-kart while they were working on race cars out in the backyard. And that, that was just, it was just the norm. Uh, that was it. But, so, uh, so, I mean, are you, are you out there like, you know, cutting yourself on fenders or are you, you know, trying to be involved as a, as a tiny kid or what? Oh yeah. I, uh, I, I was always, uh, always around you know i i was sweeping shops from a very young age for sure um i just uh i don't know i've always been fascinated by by cars motors loud noises you know anything that goes fast and looks cool um so you know i uh i can remember definitely cleaning the shops and uh i remember helping up at norm's house back I don't remember where it was, but, you know, just doing, doing little tasks, stuff that, you know, any, any kid does that goes to a race shop that wants to feel like he's being a part of it. Um, you know, and, and that's where it all started for sure. When's the first time you remember thinking you wanted to get further involved in maybe behind the wheel of something? Definitely. You know, when my mom, my mom met Brian, um, I was, I was still, really young obviously uh i want to say it was like 90 97 um i remember she i had met him and uh we used to always go to thunder road on the regular you know thursday nights but uh, i had met him prior to a thursday night race and we went up there and uh it was it was an epic race i'm sure justin probably remembers it but 
him and Brent Dragon battling. Uh, I remember Brian hitting the wall on the white flag, two tires up in the air and like came down and somehow ended up still winning the race. And uh, <laughs> it was just the coolest thing in the world to be like, oh, I know that guy. Like, and um, that, you know, is where it all all started you know the the fantasy of it all definitely was that moment forward was like this is this is it this is awesome man how how old are you right now 35 yeah you're not a kid there's i'm a little, not a kid. there's a little gray in that beard there i think it's blonde yeah, okay yeah yeah tom tom and me too no yeah. i'm pretty clearly gray and i'm yeah. only 36 so thank you for that justin yeah. So, yeah. so we all kind of grew up in the same era then, and Brian probably wasn't your first favorite driver. No, obviously it was whoever my grandfather was helping. Uh, you know, Storm and Norman was was definitely the first that I can recall um, for sure. He helped out uh, Gary Cunningham for a while too. Um, I remember spending spending nights at the shop with him there, doing kind of the same thing, sweeping up, and you know doing doing whatever they put me on cleaning tires and cleaning rims whatever it is and uh until until i had met brian i i didn't know of him i you know but i definitely wasn't a fan of him um i almost dare say that i was rooting for brent dragon at that time uh, (laughs) during that race but (laughs) you were not in the minority with that i think at the time right (laughs) yeah yeah and how old were you at that point I think around 10 years old. Yeah. I forget exactly. They they got married 98. I think it was, I think I was 10 or 11, just, just about to turn 11. So still a kid for sure. So what is 10 year old racing fan? Justin think when his mom comes home with Brian Hoare, (laughs) (laughs) uh, I don't know. I mean, I didn't know, I didn't know what to think. Um, for sure. He, uh, he tried to win me over. Um, you know, I, he brought home like a, a Dodge stealth brand new one from the car dealership and gave me a fucking ride of my life. Um, you know, sideways, all wheel drive. It was never forget that, you know, um, he, he was a pretty likable dude right from the get go. Um, you know, obviously I was in love with motorsports and this was a race car driver. So, uh, he didn't have to work too hard to, uh, for me to give him permission to be like, yeah, you can, you can date my mom for sure. I didn't know he was going to turn her into a whore, but <laughs> <laughs> no, we're doing this again. Uh, <laughs> and let's be clear that this isn't, this maybe isn't exactly like a blurb, a set tiny lens situation. This is like long-term it, it lasted, right? <laughs> it did. Yep. Still going strong. Um, <laughs> and of course he is badass at that time in the, in the nineties. Like, I mean, he's in the middle of winning what four or five straight ACT championships and Thunder Road and Airborne and the whole thing. Yeah. I think, yeah. 97, he won the ACT or Haviland. It was back then, but ACT championship. And yeah. then obviously 98, 99, um, 98, he won it. And then 99 was just, he won everything. Crazy. Everything yeah. Was going in, which, um, those were, those were the, you know, all added to those memories. Um, it's, uh, it's funny. I, at 
was going through. Um, I'm, I know you know, Justin. I don't know if you know, but uh, Chris Burnett was like a brother growing up. You know, I spent he I spent <laughs> every weekend pretty much over in Richmond, um, at his house or vice versa, and uh, we kind of grew up together with that. Um, you know, uh, Brian, just, we were the kids around and like, they, they were all kids, you know, Neil Woodard and, you know, the, the whole crew, Jeremy Dewey. I mean, there's, he's only 15 years older than me. So we, we just, uh, <laughs> we wanted to be like them. Um, and it's kind of funny how, uh, how that's played out in, uh, in the later years for sure. But, um, you know, I don't know if Chris will get mad at me for, uh, mentioning it but there was a time where we used to well i think it was before i racing it was what like nascar 99 or something like that yeah oh yeah yeah so brian had the wheel and all that and we would steal his uh his race suit and his helmet and uh get on the computer and pretend chris would be my crew chief and i would be the driver and we would just go at it and you know just being kids having fun and uh yeah obviously he uh he stuck with it so oh and here God. i am but that's great yeah we'd take the trophies off the uh off the trophy shelf if we want to race i'd have to go backwards on the track and wreck everybody to actually win but you know <laughs> good time i love it yeah. not to jump around and i'm sure we're going to jump around a bunch in this one but yeah. looking forward more to now and we talked about this a little bit with mike olson is it easier for you you think the fact that you don't have the same last name as brian i don't know i mean yes yes and no and there's nobody out there that doesn't know i guess so i don't get to fly under the radar um obviously uh God, I remember when Justin was announcing back when I raced in 09. I don't even think he said my name. I was, you know, five-time ACT Tour champion Brian Horst, uh steps on out there on the track. Yeah. So it, it's always, you know, it's always been uh, – he's always been dad. I mean, he raised me. Um, you know, my biological father hasn't been in my life very much. Um, and Brian stepped up, and, you know, I've always considered him to be be my father. Um and uh couldn't be couldn't have lucked out anymore he's he's been there um you know from the beginning and uh so tom and i kind of type notes back and forth to each other in the little chat here on zoom while we're doing this and the first thing that i said which i didn't realize until now but when we started recording i said oh my god he talks just like brian and (laughs) it's clear that he has had a major impact in your in your life um honestly you close your eyes and your voice is a little different but the way you both speak it's like you're a spitting image of him um and i think you can do a lot worse than having brian Hoare as a dad right yeah absolutely plus you got to imagine based on the episode we had with him he probably heard that voice quite a bit (laughs) yeah yes three and a half hours of it i promise i won't be that long okay (laughs) you know, obviously it's a while before you can, you're old enough to drive. Um, but you did eventually get into a race car late two thousands in the original junkyard warrior division. 
yeah. like, but what took so damn long? Right. I mean, like Brian was doing the Bush North stuff um, yep. and then racing sort of stopped for a couple of years and then you came back, but you were plenty old enough to be driving by the time you, you got into a car. I, uh, I was told several times, no fucking chance. No, <laughs> uh, All right. I remember the excuse of I'm going to do you a favor and not let you uh, go down this path and, you know, whatever it was, whatever it was. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously with the Bush days, I mean, he was just gone. Um, so, you know, running around here, I, I did do a little, uh, little stuff. I think, uh, I think 07 was the first year. Um, my uncle Arnie built me, uh, Dodge Daytona for the, uh, the Enduro back when he was running. I think Eric was running for him back then. Um, might've, might've been Bobby. I don't know. I'm not sure back when they were running Daytona's as the street stocks, but, uh, I made my debut with that. That was short lived. Um, wiring issue ended up, uh, cooking the motor in practice, made it out to the starting grid. And as soon as I dropped the green flag, the thing died. I never moved. I, I did make it three quarters of a lap. Cause I got pushed three quarters of a lap, but that was <laughs> <laughs> my first enduro attempt. But, uh, Oh, that's yeah. Awesome. I mean, uh, there, there was, there was just no, no support, um, from Brian for it. Uh, I definitely, uh, definitely begged him. Um, and it, uh, it wasn't until me and Chris, uh, you know, he was working at Burnett scrap metal and I, I think the warrior division was fairly new in Oh nine, I think it was, but, um, same dig, uh, started it was like a buick skylark or something like that came in and uh well enduro was you know a few weeks out and we gutted it and through the most unsaved it was a cage that had been cut out of a street stock that somebody had scrapped and like it it was so unsafe it wasn't even funny um yeah, chris gave Brian, me one of those cages once too i, I yeah, know what you're talking yeah, about yeah yeah <laughs> I, I remember actually Brian coming and looking at it and being like, I won't feel, I wouldn't be able to live with myself if I told you not to drive this. And, uh, I still chose to drive it obviously, but, uh, that, that, uh, that was my and Chris's first, uh, you know, self racing experience. And, uh, I did really well. I don't remember what happened. I, I, I something, I think the motor blew or, I don't know, whatever it was, but I was doing well. They used to have like the scoring. I remember being on the scoreboard at one point, like running in third, you know, with, you know, 40 laps to go or something. And, um, I remember getting out of that car, just like, Oh my God. And like him being like, Oh my God, dude, that was awesome. And what do you know? We built the junkyard warrior the very next week and, <laughs> uh, had a, a golf, yeah, VW Golf came into the yard. It was, it was a true junkyard warrior. Somebody brought it in to scrap it, but it ran. And uh, we gutted it out. And uh, Neil Woodward came over and uh, he put a cage in it. And uh, we went to the track. I think it was like, I, I think it was the next week after the Enduro that, that year and uh, gave it hell. <laughs> and uh, I guess, in a sense, that's where Burnett's Racing was born. Um, 
my they, god they I think about that wow yeah. he had a tiger the next year yeah we uh we ran i ran the warriors however many races it was um and he was uh he was definitely very ambitious because uh, we we actually bought the street stocks too. Um, I ran the street stocks a couple times. I think I, I think we I didn't qualify once, and then I qualified for the Milk Bowl that year in the it was Logan Blacklock's old car we had bought. Yeah, you made that thing so ugly. God, uh, it was ugly when I started, but yeah, it was bad. <laughs> It was all handmade. I did it with duct tape and like I know. tried to make it. Yeah, it was. But and then I think he that was it. And then he sold those and bought the tiger. And then I departed. Uh, that's when I ended up leaving for the Navy. It was that that year right after the season had ended? I forget a couple months later or something like that. It's interesting. At that point, was there any resentment at all, for lack of a better word? that you know brian didn't want you to do it or didn't want to support you and in the same token i feel like your sister should be pretty appreciative because i feel like you carved out a path to make it make it acceptable so she could kind of slide in with the support afterwards she's always been spoiled so um no i mean i understood it uh obviously around that time too uh you know my mom my mom got diagnosed with cancer uh, for the first time, and that's why Brian actually got done there for a while. Um, and it was just, uh, you know, the timing of it all. Um, obviously, when he was doing the Bush stuff, that's that's just like such a massive commitment to that whole ordeal. So I, I accepted no as an answer, and you know, I I just kept it in the back of my head, like as the fantasy. Obviously, I knew I I wanted to do it, but. Uh, you know, I was also at that time, uh, I was, I was starting to get pretty distracted, um, with other stuff. Uh, you know, the whole reason that I joined the Navy was from them pushing me like, uh, dude, you're, uh, you know, you're not in high school anymore. And you, you, uh, all you do is party. You you really need some, you know, discipline in your life. You need to get your life on track. So, uh, they had, my parents, uh, my mom and Brian are the ones that, you know, were like, we think you should, uh, you know, go this route. And, uh, so obviously, uh, you know, I enjoyed it, um, while it lasted, but I was also, uh, I was also starting to go down, down the wrong path at that, at that time in my life, you know? So, um, I think it was channel five just did a piece on you guys, um, specifically you. Yeah, and sort of talked about your struggles with addiction, but I'm picking up that maybe you were headed that way before you went to the armed forces. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I I was partying hard, um, you know. However, you want to you look at it, uh, I hadn't hadn't fallen off from being a productive member of society at that point. Um, I just, you know. <laughs> spent a lot of time drinking. Uh, basically, uh, it was as soon as I was out of work or, you know, weekends, it was, I wanted to party, um, and, uh, drank a lot of beer and, you know, did a lot of dumb stuff and, you know, just wasn't, uh, wasn't doing anything with my life. Um, I, w- I was definitely, 
a problem child. Uh, I took full advantage of Brian's racing, uh, you know, for him being gone um, as a high school student, you know, from Wednesday to Sundays, you know, pretty much every week. You know, I had so many parties in their house and stuff and just started hanging out with uh, hanging out with the wrong kids, you know, because I, I obviously didn't go to every every race. I wasn't missing school and stuff to uh, to follow him during the summertime. Obviously, I traveled with the team and whatnot. But yeah, you know, that was probably a lot of the reason, too, why, uh, <laughs> why he didn't want to do didn't want to give me a race car because I was uh, I was an asshole. You know, I, I just, I was a disrespectful asshole looking back on it. Um, you know, just didn't listen to them, um, at all, at all. And, uh, you know, took advantage of them and their, their kindness. And, you know, eventually it led to me, <laughs> them not wanting me at their house anymore, which fuck I'm surprised they put up with it as long as they did. Cause, uh, I, uh, I definitely pushed that you know, that boundary way too far looking back on it. So when does the oh shit moment happen in your mind where you realize I'm, I'm way too far from where I should be? Um, so the Navy thing was short lived. Um, I had, uh, I had had, I had injured my shoulder, uh, cliff jumping. Um, I don't know exactly when, but, it, I dislocated it and I had a pre-existing injury and it was one of those when I went to the recruiter's office, he's just like, well, can you do push-ups?" And like, will you pass the physical exam? And, and I did with flying colors, but the damage was in there. And then, uh, you know, I, I never deployed or anything like that. It was in training where I, I, uh, I hurt myself, like re re-injured it, but I did it to the extent it was, it was pretty bad, made it a lot worse. Um, you know, spent a lot of time in the hospital and then it was a whole process of getting medically discharged, um, to come back. But, uh, that definitely, uh, coming back from with the, the painkillers, um, you know, I had only been drinking and, you know, I smoked pot, you know, some, some pot and stuff, but, uh, I hadn't gotten off into, uh, into the, what people say are the hard stuff. And, uh, once that took place, uh, you know, that's just the direction that my life just started going downhill even, even faster. Um, you know, when I got back, I, I just fell back into the same, same partying gig, you know, it was however many months later, but it was like, I never left, um, called up the same people and started hanging out and, but now I started getting different types of friends because I, there was, you know, months before I had the surgery and I had all these prescription uh, painkillers and, you know, people that party like to, you know, pop painkillers. And it, uh, it was just this, uh, you know, progression that just kept going and going and going. And uh, I guess to answer your question, unfortunately, that moment didn't come for many, many years, uh, that, Oh fuck. Um, I just, I got, I got sucked in and, uh, you know, it, it just, nothing else mattered. Um, you know, I think it was, uh, uh, Mike Berry episode I was listening to where he was talking about some of his experience with it. 
And I related to that because I remember, you know, when I first got them, I, I would never do them before I'd see them. And, uh, you know, I guess I even judge people like, you know, wow, you guys are doing those. You guys are, you guys are bad. Like I'm not bad. I only drink, you know? Um, but once, uh, once the physical addiction took over, um, all bets were off and it literally consumed my life. Uh, you know, everything, everything around me, uh, ruined relationships. It ruined absolutely everything. Um, you know, all the opportunities that my parents had given me, you know, Brian, where working at the dealerships and all that stuff. Uh, you know, I didn't give a fuck about any of that. I just wanted to get high. Um, and that's where it brought me. Um, so that, I mean, that's the, that's the reality of it. Unfortunately, I didn't, uh, I didn't have that moment. I'd say probably for 10 years, unfortunately. Do you have any relationship at that point? kind of with your family and i say that because anybody that sees you now sees how close you and your sister are at the racetrack you're inseparable when one of you does well the other one is jumping into the the other's arms are do you have a relationship with her at this point or oh she was super young at this point i mean uh she was just a kid uh, literally a kid. Um, but you know, as I said before, uh, my parents, you know, had had enough. Um, so when I came back, I, you know, I wasn't living with them and I, I instantly grew distant. Um, you know, the separation from the family, I just, I don't know if it was, uh, so much like self guilt or what it was, but I, I, you know, I was ashamed and I, I didn't want, I I guess I pretended that they didn't exist in a sense. Um, and that I, I was, I was in my own world. Um, so there, there wasn't any, uh, you know, interaction there for, for a long time, unless, you know, obviously there were some, but you know, there was, I wasn't getting invited over to dinner. Um, and that, you know, that was for the best because I was just, I was in a place where, you know, I, I shouldn't be invited over for dinner. <laughs> Nobody in the mind would invite them, a person like me at that time over for dinner. So, you know, I, I, I don't want to stay on this forever and I appreciate that you're talking about it. Um, yeah. did you have any legal trouble at that time? Oh, in yeah. your life? Did you? Yeah. 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 I, I got in quite a bit of trouble, um, over the course of the years, uh, bunch of possession charges um you know and it's uh you know it came with it the prescriptions eventually stopped which led to me you know going onto the street to get them which uh you know led to you got to have money to buy drugs drugs ain't cheap especially you know that stuff um super expensive and that led to me eventually going into and getting into heroin and, uh, then, uh, you know, that, that was definitely the bottom, but, uh, the company I kept and the, uh, you know, the things that I went through, I arrested multiple times for possessions and, um, just being, you know, in cars and with just people that, you know, I would never be with today, but, you know, at that, 
point in my life, I just didn't, I didn't care. Uh, I wasn't thinking of consequences at all. I was thinking about is, you know, making sure that I was able to get high. So with any great redemption story, what is the first step in, you know, clawing your way back? So it, uh, you know, like I said, unfortunately it, it took a long time, but, uh, there was, there was moments over the time where I, you know, would get, get myself, uh, not so deep in the hole. Uh, you know, I moved to Maine for a while and, uh, I went to treatment and had a, had a period of time where I was doing, doing pretty well. And unfortunately it was another injury, um, that, that kind of brought me back, back down, but it, the cycle, um, you know, I was so sick of the cycle, um, just going through the same thing over and over and over again. Um, you know, that I was at that point in my life, um, the last time, um, the last time it was, uh, it was different. Um, where I was at mentally was different. I, uh, I was at a point in my life where I, I just, I knew I needed to either change everything or I was going to die. And like, I was okay with the thought of dying at that time. Cause I, I didn't have anything to live for in my mind at that time. Um, and you know, ultimately that led to a, uh, a pretty severe overdose that almost killed me. Um, and it wasn't until I, uh, you know, woke up in the hospital, uh, days later, you know, with my mom in there and, uh, not really understanding what happened. Um, that moment when I woke up, you know, it took me a minute to realize that, okay, this happened. You didn't die. And now it's either, you know, I have to chew everything in my power to change because I cannot keep going on like this. I can't fucking do it anymore. Um, and I think seeing, you know, the hurt and the the scared, you know, mother and the other family members, like, you know, Chris Burnett was there and like, it was just, uh, I don't know, it was enough to finally surrender. And uh, I became willing to do whatever it took to get back you know, to get the fuck out of that life. And, uh, you know, that's, that's all I did for a while. Um, you know, I, I went into, went into treatment immediately and then, you know, went into, um, sober living and, you know, just kept, uh, kept working. I, you know, I had a job, but my main job was my sobriety and, uh, you know, just kept working, um, doing the next right thing. And, uh, it was a, it was a long, you know, year coming, coming out of that. Uh, obviously I didn't have those relationships. So there, there was zero trust there. There was, you know, uh, every, everyone that, you know, close to me in my life, um, I'd pushed so far away. It, there was nothing like, it, it was difficult. You know, my parents were definitely supportive of me getting sober, but they were like, oh my, you know, this, he's been doing this for the last 10 years, you know, is, does he really mean it this time? Or is he like, you know, is this just one of his, uh, one of his tricks? And, uh, you know, it, all it took, it, it took a long time. 
um, to start gaining back their trust and, uh, and whatnot. And, uh, it, it was, uh, it wasn't an easy road, but it, uh, it started paying off. Um, you know, I started seeing it. There was obviously times where it was really hard. Um, cause you take the drugs and the alcohol when that's all you've known for 10 years. Um, you know, what the hell do you do with your life? And, uh, it was actually somebody had asked me they said, well, what did you do before? You know, what made you happy? And that's, uh, the first thing that came out of my mouth was, uh, well, I love racing. You know, I, I, at that time, it even convinced myself, like, you know, that ship had sailed, you know, I'm 32 years old, like yada, yada, yada. And the guy was like, well, why? And then I didn't have an answer for him. And I then set the goal. I'm like, well, fuck, I'm going to, I'm going to build an enduro car. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it on my own. Like I had been working, I had a little money on the side and like, I, uh, I did I think that 2019, I built the enduro car and, uh, I don't know, I got wrecked out <laughs> pretty shortly after, but I did it and I proved to myself that I could do it. And then, and then, uh, you know, next year came around and set the goal of, I'm going to build a junkyard warrior and I'm going to go back and I'm going to do it. And, uh, obviously COVID happened and things were a little scary there for a while, but I, uh, I built the car and I did it. And, uh, I built the car, had it ready to go. And then I actually went and I had approached Brian and said, Hey man, you know, I did this. Would you help out? You think maybe we could put Goss on the side of the car and I want to go, I want to go race this year. And they had set it up where it was supposed to be bi-weekly at that point. And he agreed to to sponsor me to help me because I was living over in Plattsburgh, which truck and trailer and gas over from Plattsburgh was, you know, it was, it was quite a haul for, <laughs> for a warrior to go have some fun. But, uh, and it just, uh, it started building, man. And, uh, you know, obviously there was goals in life that I had set and I just kept, kept getting them, kept achieving them and just kept, kept moving forward. And, uh, you know, building that foundation back and, uh, you know, now I don't even think about it. Uh, it's not even a thought, uh, you know, I've come so far in like looking at what I have today, it's, uh, I, I never would have believed you, you know, this was three and a half years ago when this happened, uh, it's when I got sober and I, I, I never would have believed that I could be where I am today. Um, doing the things that I'm doing. Uh, but you know, just keep, I kept doing the next right thing and like shit just kept getting better, better and better. And, uh, it keeps getting better to this day, obviously. So, uh, it's like I said, it was, it was a tough journey, but fuck me. Yeah. (laughs) Fuck me. (laughs) Whoa. Yeah. Uh, uh, Congratulations. Honestly. Thank you. Yeah. We um, talk about that a lot. We mentioned it in last week's episode. There's a lot of different definitions to a winner, and it's not necessarily the guy that's finishing first every week. And I think you're showing people that you're winning. I appreciate that. Back in the day, CA Crouch used to say, Purdy, don't go. 
But that was before everyone was trying to be a social media influencer. These days in racing, it's just as important to look good as it is to go fast. Am I right? That's where After Dark Custom Designs comes in. If you need custom racing apparel, this is the place to go. Any color, any style, and the best part? No minimum order quantity. Screen printed or direct-to-garment t-shirts and hats with your logo or design on them. And hats are just $15 each. That's your cost. Founder Hunter Garduno is a racer and he gets it. So in his words, your logo is going to look good on anything he makes. Now taking orders for September 1st, contact Hunter at 802-793-7919 or find After Dark Custom Designs on Facebook to place your order today. New England weather is unpredictable, and when the power goes out, you'll need a backup plan. That's why you should call Bushy's Generator Sales and Service in Springfield and Brookfield, Vermont. Bushy's is your source for home standby generators, and they are the number one Briggs & Stratton dealer in the state of Vermont. From sales and installation to service and maintenance on all makes and models of generators from 10 kilowatts to 200. And if you order a home standby generator from Bushy's between now and the Milk Bowl in October, mention that you heard this ad on Uncommon Deeds and receive a $500 discount. Bushy's Generator Sales and Service covers all of Vermont and New Hampshire, as well as Massachusetts, Connecticut, and New York. Give them a call at 802-591-1903 or visit their Facebook page or bushysgenerator.com. Bushy's Generator Sales and Service of Springfield and Brookfield, Vermont. We keep your power on. Barry Tile and Morrison Clark Incorporated have got you covered, literally. They're your number one stop in central Vermont for all types of flooring, whether it's tile, carpet, hardwood, or any other type of flooring, indoor or outdoor, for your home or your business. Barry Tile staff are qualified installers who can offer you real-world flooring experience and knowledge that you don't always find in the big chain stores. But you don't need our endorsement. They've been family-owned and operated since 1972, which means... They're celebrating 50 years in business in 2022, and that stands for itself. And hey, not only are they great at what they do, they're racers too. You got it, man. Check out Barry Tile's Facebook page to see some examples of their incredible work. You can call them the old-fashioned way, 802-476-0912, or just stop into the showroom, 889 South Barry Road in Barry, Vermont, and make sure that you tell them that the guys at Uncommon Deeds sent you. Thanks to all our sponsors who help us bring this show to you for free every single week. Now, back to our show. The COVID year, 2020. Um, yeah. I only went to one race that year, and it was in September. I brought my niece. She'd always wanted to see Thunder Road. And it was the night that you won. Uh, you actually won a couple of races that year, right? And you won one. Let's not gloss over the fact that you won that with that Volkswagen golf before all this shit happened. Right. Yeah, we did. So, we did. <laughs> so obviously, you know, there's a little bit of skill there too. And the night that I was there, you won and you were the only guy who passed a car all night long. Um, and I was so, I, I didn't know the extent of what you've just told us, but I was so happy for you, you know, genuinely happy. And I think there were a lot of people that, that kind of had an idea. Um, and I think that was sort of like, okay, he's, he's back. Um, this is kind of the real deal now. Yeah. There, there, you know, I struggled with the, that, I guess, too, coming back. Um, 
I kind of felt like, you know, everybody had forgotten me, but you know, you forget that this is a small community. So when I walk back through those pits, you know, I see Tina and she's like, Oh my God. And you know, you see Dean and he's like, Ooh. like, you know, everybody, they didn't forget me like <laughs> as I had hoped that they had, but that was the time in my life where I was trying to slide in low and not be Brian Horson. But mm, uh, <laughs> yeah, that doesn't happen. That didn't take very long. No. Uh, and then I showed up with a Brian Hoare pain scheme anyway. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the Enduro and whatnot. But, uh, you know, I, I was worried about what other people thought in the beginning. And, you know, it is what it is. I can't change the past. Um, all I can do now is try to be a better person and try to help people um, with, you know, the gifts that I have. Because, you know, you look back on it and I shouldn't be here the odds that I are, I am here. Um, they just, they don't make sense. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm grateful that I have this opportunity, uh, you know, to kind of rewrite, rewrite my life. And, you know, that doesn't have to define me, um, the shit that I, you know, in my past, um, coming back, it, uh, I mean, you, you must feel like, I'm doing it. God damn it. Like, uh, you know, yeah. this is, this is validation. This is the, this is the payoff. Like you're sticking with it. And if there was any doubt, you know, three and a half years ago, you know, hopefully it's, it's been erased. Oh, and, and it has. Yes, for sure. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I remember building that, that warrior car and, uh, you know, thinking back to the old days, those guys were, I don't know how to, how to say it, but a lot of them were fucking cheating. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> no, no. And I'm not very mechanic, mechanically inclined. At least at that point, I, I, I definitely wasn't, um, you know, I could understand how some things work, but when it came to cheating, I didn't know the first thing about it. So I'm like, well, I'm just going to build this thing to go have some fun. That, that was basically my main goal. Um, and you know, the first race we were semi-competitive and that, that was when it's like, all right, um, you know, I think, I think there's something here. And then, uh, you know, I started asking questions to people and getting advice and, uh, you know, I can't remember, I think it was like the fourth race. Um, I won, I think it was the fourth, ra- fourth race I won. Yeah, it was. Um, and it was, uh, that was like, all right, man. Like, yeah, I am back. And like, <laughs> this is, this is it. Um, you know, the, the bug had caught me again, obviously prior to that, just the atmosphere of being back and, you know, and trying to control something basically out of control. Uh, you know, it, uh, it took me back, you know, full force and, uh, and it definitely helped give me, uh, give me purpose and give me something to put, you know, my energy towards. And like, I was determined that, you know, I was gonna, I was gonna make this work. I was gonna do this. And, uh, you know, we, we definitely had a successful year. I, you know, in the warrior, I forget exactly. I, I know I won a couple of them. Uh, I think I had like eight podiums only destroyed one car um, <laughs> in the process. That, that was fun, but the passion, you know, we didn't run for points and I wrecked Well, I, it will be this race coming up. It was the last Thursday night race where I, I killed the eclipse and then built another car. We had like two weeks or whatever for uh for labor day but (laughs) i felt that i needed to be there and uh you know 
couple buddies. We put in some hours and came back with a Mazda, you know, the next week. And uh, I, uh, you know, it definitely, uh, it definitely helped save, save my life. Um, you know, and I couldn't be, uh, I couldn't be more grateful for, uh, you know, Brian, obviously he was kind of helping from afar, but, uh, you know, it was never my idea to, to move up. Um, you know, I, I had kind of fantasized about it. I, I kind of wanted to, you know, look into getting a street stock maybe the following year. Um, it was his idea to go up, go up to a tiger. And, uh, you know, the fact that, you know, they, they got behind, you know, the racing gig, um, it blew me away. You know, it was definitely a surprise, um, you know, because I, for so long, I felt like I didn't deserve a lot of things, um, because of the choices that I had made. Um, so it, it, uh, it definitely, uh, you know, blew me away. Um, and that conversation started happening for sure. And also the thought of like, Oh my God, like I'm going to be driving a race car for Brian Orr. Like that's fucking cool. You know, how many people would kill to be in that situation? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, obviously, uh, helped me rebuild all the, you know, relationships, Taylor, um, Taylor and my, uh, my other sister, Alyssa legit were the only crew I had, uh, you know, in the warrior, I didn't have a crew. <laughs> I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Like, um, you know, I, I had a couple guys that would offer, offer help in the, uh, in the pits. And I ended up having one guy help out, but like, I didn't have the means to, you know, pay people's way in and whatnot. It was, it was bare bones budget, like, you know, and, uh, obviously that helped grow the relationship with both my sisters and obviously Brian probably a little pissed because I think it kind of planted that bug in the, in Taylor to where <laughs> she wanted to get behind the fucking wheel and do <laughs> so, <laughs> but, uh, I would assume yeah. that's when he has that talk with you though, that's gotta give you, like you said, you didn't feel like you probably deserved it but it's got to give you a sense of validation for the work and the time you'd put in, not just racing, but in your sobriety because in, you know, limited interactions, Brian doesn't seem like the guy who's going to piss money away for no reason. He, he's got to believe in you at that point. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, it, it was wicked cool. Um, you know, the, like I said, the thought of it moving forward, um, it did validate everything in it. it. It, you know, not just from a racing standpoint, but the fact that like they believed in me again, you know, that my family was believing in me again. Um, you know, it, it just helped pad me you know, that much farther away from that lifestyle. It's like, you know, I'm finally, this is what I always wanted. You know, this is, this is, I've got my family back and like, you know, the love is there, the trust is there. And like it, uh, yeah. And, un, and uncoincidentally success comes with that. 
clearly. Yeah. Good things yeah. happen to good people. <laughs> yeah, the you know, obviously the first year with the Tigers, uh, we probably would have been better going off with a late model because, you know, nobody knew anything about Tiger cars, and they are completely different than fucking anything else. And uh, Yeah, totally different. <laughs> you know, so not only did I not have a clue, but, you know, nobody – Brian didn't – Brian – drove the car he wasn't a crew chief and brian was my crew chief my rookie year which <laughs> was a scary thought <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> and it showed yeah and it showed for sure but uh you know obviously uh he had a lot of success over the year and he knows the recipe to success and he's been able to you know both help produce both that for me and Taylor. And, you know, he, he's still Taylor's crew chief, but he's no longer my crew chief. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, we've, uh, went all in on it too. You know, uh, we, he gave me everything that I needed to succeed. And, you know, I, there's no excuses on his end. It's, it's all in my hands. And, uh, you know, Ander, Ander Carey and Barney McRae are my, my chiefs. Um, you know, they don't, no, neither one likes to be called the crew chief, but they're both my crew chiefs. But uh, without those two guys uh, working together and, uh, you know, teaching me to the amount that I've learned, you know, obviously you had Barney on the show and that man knows more shit about race cars than, than you know, I'll ever, he's forgot more than I'll ever know for sure. And, uh, you know, to have all these, the people that stepped up to, um, to support, you know, the, the sponsors and the teams. And like, it's like, Oh my God, dude, this is, it blew my mind. The, you know, to think, I never thought that that, that would have been the case. Um, but uh, again, it goes back to that and just, you know, doing the next right thing and uh, things just kind of fall into place. So I'd like to think that I'm a good person these days. So. <laughs> I think you've you've been a good person all along. You might have made some bad decisions, but bad people don't save themselves. It's true. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I I definitely, uh, I'm my own hardest critic, um, as most people are, but, uh, you know, it's just been, uh, it's been quite the journey and, uh, you know, people ask me all the time. I, I don't know that I would be the person that I am today if I didn't go through what I went through. And, uh, you know, unfortunately I was, I was stubborn and I had to learn a lot of lessons the hard way, but it's helped me become the man that I am. And, uh, you know, I wake up every morning and I'm proud of the guy that I look at in the mirror. Um, but there was a long time where that wasn't the case. So, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm definitely happy with that. And I'm, I'm super grateful to have the life that I have and the opportunities that I have and, uh, you know, to be able to pursue the dreams that I had as a kid, you know, running around wanting to drive race cars and, you know, doing it with the most amazing people, you know, in the pits that you could think of. Um, And it's, it's pretty fucking cool for sure. So now, you know, (laughs) you are battling for the flying tiger championship for Christ's sake with what three weeks left in the season or two weeks, whatever it is. Yeah. And I mean, you're 20 something points out of it. Like this is, 
is this kind of a holy shit? What is happening? Or are you? Was this the goal? Were you coming to win a championship? <laughs> it definitely was not the goal uh, at the preseason. You know, like I said, we we just wanted to be competitive. Um, you know, I, I think we set collectively as a team that we wanted to be a top five car. Never did I think that we would be running for a championship. But I'll tell you that if that all changed, you know, eight weeks into the season when I'm still the point leader, you know, whatever it was, you know, now they, <laughs> I want that fucker. <laughs> I want it bad. And, uh, you know, I, I have the competitive drive in me and it's, uh, you know, it's that or bust, I guess. <laughs> it's kind of, kind of where it's at, but, uh, never would have fathomed that, you know, we would be like, you still hearing those words. It's, it's kind of, it's kind of fucking, I feel like I've avoided saying it cause I didn't want to jinx it. You know, the entire season, it's like, no, don't just don't talk about it. No, we're not, we're not leading the points. No, we're pretending that it's not happening, but, um, you know, obviously the camaraderie and the, the people around me, uh, it, it's proved to be a winning combination. Um, and, uh, I'm telling you everything I've battled through my life that I am not going to go down without swinging for this one. So <laughs> it's definitely a dream come true to, to be there. Um, yeah. But it's also whatever uh, they dub it, the number one support division in all of North America, or America, whatever it is, but it, the competitiveness of the Tigers is just, wow. It can be so frustrating. Um you know, so many different guys. I mean, you look at, you look at the stats for the years, you know, how many different guys have won, like only a couple of one, two races. And like the field is just so deep and uh, to somehow be, you know, anywhere near the top of the standings is obviously a win, but now that it's in reach, I want more for sure. Listen, credit where it's due. You, have the most top tens of anybody in the division you're tied for the most top fives of anybody in the division and that just that doesn't come easy like you said there's there's 30 cars out there um and there's a lot of them that are good cars um i do want to say that between the three of you that are fighting for this thing with you and sammy karen and uh Derek calkins i don't give a shit who wins the title because all three of you it's an awesome story um, yeah. you know, Sammy Karen blowing his brains out in those late models for 20 years without anything to show for it. And then all of a sudden he's a star. That's pretty amazing. And Derek Hawkins, I raced with him 25 years ago, you know, and he was nowhere to be found forever. And now he's back and he's winning races and time. So like, it's, it's really, really cool. What's going on at the top of that heap right now. Although this show may have convinced me to pull for you. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. And it, you know, obviously I, I say those things, but, you know, looking at it, I, like I said, I never expected to be here. Obviously I want to win the championship, but you know, this has just been such an incredible year. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's been an honor and, you know, just to earn the respect, um, and the guys in the pits and the race with these, you know, the Mike Martins and, you know, the people that I rub shoulders with that, you know, legends of, of this, uh, of this auto racing thing. And it's, uh, it's, 
it's cool. It's definitely cool to be able to, uh, you know, be in that conversation. Um, and, uh, you know, we're going to, we ain't going to quit. Like I said, we're going to give it everything we got, but, uh, you know, either way, it's been, it's been one hell of a ride. So with that success and that's great, but at the same time, your sister had quite the learning curve last year in the beginning of this year. How much enjoyment are you also getting from getting to be big brother, seeing her start to succeed and hit those top fives and get on a podium? It's been incredible, man. Uh, you know, it, it's, uh, I, I get just as much joy um, and I get just as riled up. It's kind of a dangerous combination when me and Brian are in the stands watching, um, you know, I, <laughs> the adrenaline rush and I, I, I'm screaming, Brian's screaming and, you know, go high, go low. What do you mean? Go get, you know, dump that motherfucker. <laughs> Whatever it is, you know, <laughs> um, but definitely your biggest fan, uh, by far. And it's been so cool to watch her grow. Cause I remember the first day testing, uh, two, two years ago, whatever at white mountain, we brought it over for an open test and she had never driven anything in her life. And, uh, I was driven a street car, but never driven a race car. And she went out in the, the Mustang with the mini stocks over there. And she had no idea what she was doing. She was just cranking around, but the uh those things had way more horsepower than her and they're ripping down the straightaway screaming and like they come up on her and then she'd go in the corner just do 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 and you know tutor on the bottom she had the track tires on and uh they were on dot so she was killing them through the corner and like lap after lap she's out there and like these guys are taking shots at her and uh nobody could pass her nobody could pass her and she came in off the track and I remember that smile because I had that smile and that kid was smiling ear to ear and <laughs> Brian will tell it, tell the story. He's a great storyteller, obviously, but he knew he was fucked. He, you know, he wanted, he said deep down, he's like, I hope that she was like, Nope, this ain't for me, but she fucking loved it. And, uh, <laughs> you know, to watch God, that girl is so smooth out there. It's, it's like watching, it's like watching Brian. Um, and, you know, she just keeps getting better and better and better. And, uh, you know, she's obviously got tons of support behind her and it's, uh, it's really exciting. And, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, where, where she can go with it. Cause, uh, speaking of that, what happens if, and when you two are door to door and tigers, I got to show her, <laughs> show her a thing. <laughs> I got to let her know big brother. I don't know. <laughs> You know, I, she ran a tiger a couple times this year over at White Mountain, and uh, I really wanted to drag it over. Unfortunately, that point point standing things, it just didn't seem worth it. But uh, just to be on the track with her at the same time, um, I think it would be super, super cool in a moment I, uh, I definitely look forward to. Um, I definitely uh, am super protective of her. Brian's very... Uh, passionate about it but i i'm uh i'm not afraid to let somebody know how i'm thinking um you know if somebody messes with my sister i'm uh i'm 
I'm the first one to jump up and be like, what the fuck? Bro? Love it. <laughs> so and, then uh, did you get to have the, the big brother protective don't mess up talk with Tanner? <laughs> That's what I was going to ask. Too. Tanner. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's here right now, actually. Uh, they're, they're hanging out. And you better be thing. listening. He's uh He's a great kid. He's a hell of a wheel man too. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's cool. It's cool to see, you know, they, they are the future of this sport, you know, the both of them and they're so passionate about it. And, uh, you know, to have that inside relationship, uh, is, is something that, you know, is, is wicked cool. But, uh, you know, Definitely, uh, I fucked with him, you know, a few times. I had to intimidate him, but, you know, I, I also didn't want to scare him away. I mean, they are just kids, and uh, <laughs> I forget that sometimes, you know. I, I forget <laughs> that they're kids, and, uh, you know, I I do anything, anything for, uh, you know, for Taylor, and, you know, obviously uh, – super super proud of of what she's accomplished so far and uh can't i um yeah she's definitely blown not just me away but she's blown everybody away with how far she's come in such a short period of time and you know the maturity that she's showing now out on the track each and every week it's uh it's definitely something special so uh super excited to uh to watch her continue to grow do you guys see a pair of late models in your future or is that something that's up to Brian or is he going to tell you guys, if you want to do this, you get out there and spend your own damn money. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I can fantasize, right. Um, I, I'm not sure. Uh, you know, obviously I, I'm not a spring chicken. Um, you know, I know that realistically I'm not going to be getting a call from an Xfinity team anytime soon, but if she keeps going, you know, you never know what, uh, you know, a young, a young woman in motorsports, um, there's a lot of support for that. So, uh, it, it would be cool. Um, I am going to have, uh, an opportunity, uh, this year to, uh, to go over to white mountain and, uh, and run a late model, not Brian's late model, but, uh, you know, I, I don't know. He, uh, he retired from racing because he wanted to retire from racing. So, uh, it's, it's, a you've done it. It's a lot to ask. Um, and it's the commitment is through the roof and, you know, even at a tiger and a street stock right now, the amount of hours that go into this, this deal, I mean, to be able to field two late models is just, that's, uh, that's next level stuff. So, uh, I have to really shine up his boats. Nice. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, I mean, finding people too these days, is just, it's tough. You know, it's, it's a lot to ask without paying, you know, short of paying people to work full time on race cars. It's, you know, the amount of commitment, you know, Hey, can you take off these days of work and, you know, come do this and do that. Like, you know, most people look at you like you're nuts and it's hard to find the people that are willing to, to make that type of commitment to, 
to be at the tracks and be at the shops, you know, and that it's a, it's a full-time job. I mean, I, I spend just as much time, you know, in the shop, you know, as I do at work, you know, and that's, that's not an exaggeration. That's, <laughs> that's the reality of it. But um, do you, uh, do you have any communication with Chris Burnett as far as the race car? I know that they're doing their own thing with late models and kind of some past stuff now a little bit, but you know, do, is there anything that can relate from his days with the tiger or from what they're doing now with Jason Corliss? No, not, not really. Um, you know, Chris is, well, I guess maybe Andrew Hill might be the better one. And, to, yeah. Andrew was definitely take the brain out. <laughs> Let's say Chris is like me. He doesn't know shit. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I've been, you know, I've, I've been forced to learn, um, over the past couple of years. Um, but, uh, you know, like I said earlier, Barney, Barney stepped in, and you know, kind of pointed us in the right direction. You know, he doesn't work on cars, but he's, uh, he's knows what he, he, he's really good at looking at a car and telling what it needs. And, uh, he, he's been extremely helpful in getting us, you know, a good baseline. Cause last year we didn't even have a baseline. You know, we, we were throwing the kitchen sink every week, just trying to get something that worked. And, um, you know, we started off the year with a, with a pretty good baseline. Obviously we won the first race and it's, uh, we've been able to, you know, fortunately stay out of trouble and, you know, pretty much show up with a, a really competitive car each week. And, uh, obviously we're close, you know, that, that Corliss crew is, is basically, you know, mostly my dad's old crew, you know, so there's been a close relationship. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I talk to those guys all the time and Andrew's done a lot of the work, um, you know, winter work and hanging bodies and whatnot. And I I've learned a lot from, from Andrew as well. And, uh, but no, I guess to answer your question, you know, we've been, we've been kind of on our own, um, from that sense. Um, cause they, they weren't very good in the Tigers. They weren't good till they got in the late mall anyway. So <laughs> I don't know that I want that help. <laughs> all right. All right. It's true. <laughs> all right. Time for our Barry tile quick hitters. And then we'll let you go. If you think about it, true or false, if they had continued gone in 60 seconds and done sequels to it, would they not be the Fast and the Furious movies? <laughs> Think about it. Yeah. He's got the crew. I, I the cop lets do. him go at I, the end of the first I'm, movie. I'm connecting the dots for sure. And uh, God, I was so in love with Angelina Jolie back then. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Right. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it. You know, that, that probably would have been the best movie of all time if Eleanor wasn't a Ford, you know, but if it's it was a pretty a good car, car, man, come on. It is a great car. All right. I'm not, <laughs> if I had to have a Ford, that would probably be the one for sure. Right. Okay. We're going to have to explain that one later, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> he asked uh, me if I like Nick Cage. So. Yeah. <laughs> have you guys ever, Justin, have you ever seen, I was trying to get Brian to do his, his, he he looks like Nick Cage if he does a shark face. Like it's it's I scary. can see that. I can like totally the crazy eyes that he does in face off. Yes. Brian wow. does Brian does it. He, 
and like they looked like spitting images. Oh my God. It, I I was trying to draw that for you earlier when you asked that. I was like, dude, do the shark face. And he's like, no, fuck you. I'm like, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, man. if you go look at a picture now, you're never going to look at it the same. No, I can see right. it in my head already. Yeah. Yeah. God, I think all we need to do is call Nicolas Cage and he'll make the Brian Hoare movie. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I just watched a John Travolta racing movie, so I'm in. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, and it's about what you think it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Dumbest thing you ever did in a race car? Go. Oh goodness! So it's got it's got to be when I killed the Eclipse. Um, I uh, you know a couple guys got into it on the front stretch coming out of four. I. Uh, I started moving towards the infield and uh, ended up, I think I came across somebody from a bumper and it, and then I was really in the infield and I thought that I was going to show some dirt skills and uh, it did not work. And I went full bore across the infield. I didn't start lifting until I about hit the apron and I probably hit the turn one wall head on it, uh, you know, or however many miles an hour, but I absolutely killed that eclipse. Um, and uh, that that <laughs> looking back on it, I, I probably could have done a whole lot of things different. <laughs> like lift, <laughs> <laughs> lifting would have been one, but it did, I it, it was it was cold that night too. So once I did hit the brakes, the grass was wet and it like did nothing. It was just like I I think I picked up speed when I hit the brakes, and I was like, oh fuck, this is not good. <laughs> this is gonna hurt it did but <laughs> all right yeah so That's... long road trip to the racetrack driving the whole way who do you want riding shotgun with you oh boy and that i mean excluding excluding family right that's how it usually goes i was just say because yeah i don't i taylor like i said she's spoiled she she gets to ride with brian most of the times but having his pep talks are pretty pretty helpful in his insight but um i gotta say andrew carey he, he does ride down with me and uh you know i feel like when me and him are on the same page uh that's where we get results and uh the communication and uh the friendship that we have and that we've built um i definitely wouldn't be where i am um without him um and it, it's it's super cool you know we 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 think we we think alike and like when we're when we are thinking alike and uh kind of get in that zone uh, we show up and we're business and you know we unload we know what we're doing and everything's good um so i i i gotta say i gotta say him um if we're talking from an inter- entertainment standpoint then i gotta go with the mayor uh jeremy Duye because you know yes. come on <laughs> right. uh, but you're right about Andrew. i actually just saw him yesterday um uh, good dude yep yeah smart guy listen man um thank you for opening up and and you didn't have to do that and we appreciate that and i hope that your story can continue to help people and regardless go drive the shit out of that race car man it's uh this has been a good a good title fight to watch um with with a bunch of guys who really deserve it no matter who wins it but uh i, I think that you might have a lot more people pulling for you than you realize. 
Yeah, I appreciate you guys uh, asking to have me on. Um, it's definitely an honor to, you know, I've supported you guys and listened to pretty much every podcast you put out. So, uh, again, I was a little, a little dumbfounded when you asked me after you looked through that list of people. I was like, why the hell do they want to talk to me? <laughs> you know why? Because you got us our first win this year. That's why. Hell yeah. And yeah. there you go. We're going to graduate set. up to a bigger decal for you to get That's that right. extra tenth. I was in, it hasn't been working the past few weeks. We might need to upgrade. That's why. Okay. Yeah. All right. Thanks again to Justin Prescott for his complete honesty and vulnerability for maybe lack of a better word. Didn't hold anything back and told his story. And hopefully... You know, that story can inspire someone else who may be struggling to find what makes them crawl out of that hole. Yeah, I mean, he had to hit rock bottom. Um, and hopefully, hopefully you can recognize that rock bottom, you know, and it doesn't have to be an addiction or, you know, feeling like it doesn't matter if your life ends. Um, it could be depression anything just yeah any sort of it doesn't even have to be depression it's just a difficult decision or something it doesn't it could be anything um but you have to realize something's wrong and then you have to want to make that change and a lot of people aren't able to get there before it's too late and i just you know i want to i hope that this i hope that this show helps somebody even it's just one person and um i'm just so grateful for justin prescott to share that yeah um yeah and you know he said hardest critic on himself is himself and you know dealing with maybe not thinking you deserve the success or the things that are coming but you know he's been a good dude. And you said it, I think in the interview that, you know, you're a good person just made some bad choices. And I think that was pretty spot on because Justin is a good person. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and you get signs as to why, you know, you're a good person. It could be good things happening, you know, maybe a relationship winning at the racetrack or having great taste. And Justin has great taste. You know why? Cause he sent us over a Venmo payment for his brand new uncommon deeds podcast shirt Jesus. and hat. What a transition. Yeah, he did. He did. We didn't, we didn't force him to do that either. Um, he also sent us over amazing picture. <laughs> <laughs> to use for the guest we're gonna we're doing obviously we, the show's already out so we did guess the guest um but god that picture is so good and you guys can't see this but literally the venmo payment just went through so. yeah it's awesome uh yeah he's on it hop on the bandwagon folks because these new shirts are sharp mm-hmm. they are designed by the brilliant justin st louis Hey, 
and we've had some good response and we've already had, you know, a bunch of orders. And because we did them the way we did them in terms of four different colors to choose from, we did not do a large amount for each size in every color because, you know, our pockets aren't that deep currently. Mm. <laughs> so you want to get in there, get the color you want and the size you want now before we run out. If we run out, it's actually, I guess, when we run out, because we will. The supply is pretty limited right now. Um, let us know, and we can order one for the next run, and we won't forget you. Um, we'll make sure that we, we make it happen. We've actually had a couple of requests for some youth sizes, um, so we're going to work on that. And, um, yeah, we whatever it is, we can make it happen. It may not be immediate, but we can make it happen. If you want your toddler... In a uncommon deed onesie, we will make it happen. We will make it happen. And all the shirts still just $25. That includes shipping. That is the price you pay for it to show up at your doorstep. Hats, yep. $35. You got the flex fit. You got the snapback. Those are 35 Or you can get yourself a hat and a shirt. Just like Justin Prescott just did for fifty dollars, yep. and, we'll, and that includes we'll some, some yeah. fresh new exactly. decals. Yeah, if you've been paying attention to Justin on Facebook, I think he's thrown out some pictures, maybe of the new decals, or maybe you just sent um, those to me well, on a, Messenger. Posted a selfie of Al and I with yeah uh, with new decals. So yeah. we got fresh new decals. You can get your hands on those by ordering some of the merch. Yeah. I'm looking forward to some of those fresh new decals on Justin Prescott's car once his package shows up with his shirt and hat. He'll have them before Thursday. I'm, uh, well, the show comes out Tuesday. I actually had, have Monday off, which is tomorrow as we record it, but yesterday as you listen to this. Um, so... Monday is shipping day for the first run of orders. Um, so by the time this drops, they'll already be halfway to their destination. All right. So, yeah. All right, folks, make sure you're following us on all the socials, uncommon deeds on Twitter and Facebook, uncommon deeds podcast on the Instagram. Instagram. Oh yeah. Oh. If you want to be a part of this uncommon media. Was. Sorry. Yeah. If you want to be a part of this uncommon media family, this crazy, crazy family, we have sponsorship opportunities for this podcast, for the Crunch Bunch podcast, which we hope will be coming back soon. I know Justin's going to be getting involved on some of those. Al's got some stuff coming that we're excited about. Or we have some stuff coming that's going to be on YouTube, different media that we're very excited about. And if you want to get in on that, now is the time. You can email us, uncommonmediavt at gmail.com. Yes, gmail. That wraps up today's episode. You've been listening to the Uncommon Deeds podcast, a production of Uncommon Media. You're still here? It's over.
Go home. Go.